Welcome to Picketed Podcast. Uh, joining me today is none other than Canel. Hi, Canel. You all right there? Uh, hi. Um, what is it that you do, Canel? I am a battle rapper. How long have you been a battle rapper for, mate? Uh, since about 2015. I thought I was going to rhyme then. Uh, and I'm the best that you've ever seen. Oh, yeah, nearly, nearly. That was got good. A, you got a syllable in there, like. <laughs> uh, okay, Canel, uh, battle rapper, since 2015. What is it we are going to be talking about today? We are going to be talking about cancel culture. Welcome to Picketed Podcast, the perfect balance of brains and bullshit. For extra special content, check out our Patreon over at www.patreon.com slash picketed. The truth is a fact, a fib is a fiction. A theory is a clear and objective description of that which exists. How it is, how it isn't, by history or science or some defined discipline. So theory goes. If you hold the opinion that truth is so easily known and envisioned. But what if, quote, truth as you know it is hidden by myths you've been told that you don't know you're living? What if powers that be control how the truth's given? And even how science and history are written? And even the means of theorizing's conditioned by the interest of those in the power position? Okay, so let's drop ourselves right into the middle of this. So, cancel culture is a problem in the battle rap community. Uh, there's elements of it in the battle rap community, but it's something that I've taken, like, uh, like the battle rap community has kind of, like, changed a lot over the years. Like, some shit that wasn't acceptable, like, 10 years ago, that was acceptable 10 years ago, isn't acceptable now. now and a lot of that has come through, like... Just how times have changed, which is how it should be. But there also have been elements of like online pylons and everything. Okay, well, I'm going to just quickly sort of put a little disclaimer at the beginning that I know next to nothing about battle raps. Yeah. I know next, like almost nothing. I reckon I could probably name ooh, six battle rappers just because Facebook will recommend me stuff and go, oh, you, you want to watch this. And I think what it is, is I must have watched an episode of, like, a teacher rap battling a child, like, that went viral. Uh, yeah, that would be uh, Mark Grist versus Blizzard. Sure, that yeah. one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been about 2011, so that's, like, 10 years ago now. Well, I, I remember watching it and thinking, that's dead good. And I think that Facebook has gone, oh, oh, he probably wants to see more of this 10 years later. And I really fucking don't. So, right, let me see how many battle rappers I can name. One. Uh, wow. Uh, one, Shotty Horror. Yep. And I know that because he's going on uh, Have a Word podcast. And he also looks um, a little bit like he's terminally ill. Uh, two, is he? Is that, that's why you're looking uh, at me. <laughs> Imagine, oh, fucking hell. He's not, he's, he's in good health, isn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's flipping nails these days. He's been working out. Like, I think before lockdown, he was trying to get into wrestling and all this, like, so, but, uh, I don't know if he's still doing that, but he's fucking hard as nails at the minute. Wow. Well, I take it back, Shotty. I, uh, <laughs> I, th I th don't think you look ill. I think you look sick as in strong. Right, okay, so one, Shotty Horror. Two... Lunacy. Yes. Now, I know who that is because I know that Adam was obsessed with him for ages. So, um, Lunacy. And because I remember, because the way he talks, he sort of spits his words out like he sort of, but like that. And he just talks about mum's fannies being massive, as far as I can remember. Yeah. Mo 
uh, I believe he's doing a comeback battle for Premier Battles. Oh, has he gone away? I didn't even uh, know he'd gone away. Well, like, pretty much all of, all of his work took place in 2011, 2012. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, that would have been, like, when content was, like, very different. Back then, like, you know, uh, like, when I say that the content of Battle Rap's changed, most of it's done it in the way that I feel it should do, like, changing organically. Well... Like, basically... Like, I, I mean, when you say it's changed, like, in my head... See, this is what was so interesting to me, because in my head, Battle Rapping is literally just your mum jokes that rhyme. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So so in my head, they go, like, they insult you, and then they talk about how hard they are. That's that's like the like how it works for me. So it's yeah. like, oh, Canel, you smell. You know, oh, I, I'm going to tell everyone that I fucked your mum. Do you know what I mean? Like, like that's yeah. how it is in my head. It's just your mum jokes... Uh, personal insults, and then I'm dead hard, and I I shoot people like that's that's what it is. So for me, hearing that there's some sort of cancel culture involved, isn't the whole point of battle rapping to insult the other person and make it rhyme? Or have I missed some it? Uh, I think it's like as things have gone on, like people uh, like appreciate a more direct and personal approach now, and uh, like more creative wordplay. Like so, it's like these days, it's more common to have a, a rapper to just rap about shooting the other guy for three rounds, but in really creative ways, using layered similes <laughs> and entendres and that. Gun but, behind your head, gun under the knee, gun in a paper bag, all over the place. Like guns of varying sizes. Guns, big guns, small guns. Can't even fit them in the house, mate. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. So, so it's still about shooting people, but in more creative, uh, lyrically ambitious ways. Uh, yeah, and the sort of community's kind of opened up now. Like, uh, like there's a lot more LGBT rappers that are about now. And okay, so it used to be all straight white. I love how you stop there. Yeah. <laughs> They're about now. Yeah. Um, so, so the community's opened up and that, the, the same thing happened with comedy because even if you go back as little as 10 years ago comedy used to be pretty much the preserve of straight white men and then now most bills are a lot more diverse and people, the stuff that's on TV is a lot more diverse and it's opening up a lot more so it's interesting to know that that happens in the battle rap community as well yeah. um, so it's opening up a lot more is the subject matter that you're battling about the same? Uh, not really, because what you've got to understand it is uh, what you were seeing in, like, 2011, and, like, uh, that was just coming a few years off, like, writing coming into battle rap. Like, before then, it was all freestyle. So stuff would be a lot more offensive uh, those days. Like, when you're freestyling, it's like you're doing crowd work. You're doing the first thing that comes to Yeah, you're to your making head. it up off the top of your head. Yeah. Yeah. So, th so, thing so things that were a lot less personal and more general were more common-like. Like, you don't necessarily know the guy you're going to battle in, but, you know, he's going to have a mum. She's probably not. Uh, <laughs> a woman who's going well, to have given birth to her at some point. Uh, <laughs> Flipping. Uh, He's going to have a mum, yeah. and that's all the information I need to take the fucker down. Well, <laughs> well, well, there you go. Like, you know, there you've got a solid basis that you don't not have to know anything about them, but you could say funny, insulting things to them. Right, I but see. But at the same time, 
flipping when you get into a more written thing, like talking about your mum isn't really talking about you. So yeah. So it so when you get more into personal attacks and character assassination, you have to know people about that. So that's kind of like driven like the change in the content. Okay. So so what do they talk about now? Then they know they don't do your mum jokes anymore now. Uh. Yeah, they, they, they still exist, like, but uh, no one's really doing them at the top level. Really, it's like, because, like, most of the people who are at the top level have been doing it for, like, years. So throw me some names of people at the top level. Uh, Tony D. Never heard of him. Uh, Soul. Nope. Uh, oh, I've heard of somebody called O'Shea, because he's, he's O'Shea, yeah, yeah, O'Shea, absolute legend. He's from the freestyle era, and he's one of the few people that still represents with that style... To this day, like I see. Oh, I tell you, who else I've heard of Shuffle T. There Sh- you go. Uh, I battled him recently. Have you? Did yeah. you win? No. Fucking no, hell, mate! Couldn't even <laughs> beat Shuffle T. Uh, I don't know anything about him. <laughs> I don't know if he's good or not. I just know his name. Um, okay, who, who else is at the top level? Uh, top level. Uh, I'm talking in the UK now, but uh, a guy called Gemini, particularly. No, these all sound like Eurovision entries. Right. Yeah. <laughs> See, the thing is, like... The reason- we are sold. 2016's England Eurovision entry. Do you know what I mean? It just sounds... It, it sounds camper than what I expected it to. I thought it was going to be like, you know, Mr. fucking Shoot'em and shit. And they're all like, sold, yeah. Gemini. Yeah, that, that, that element does exist. There's more like uh, leagues that are like... Just about like Gumbar type content. So what do and they talk about now? So sorry to interrupt. So the Soul and the Gemini people. Yeah. What what sort of stuff would you expect them to cover? Are they they're not going to be doing your mum jokes? But what sort of stuff are they going to? Uh, character assassinations. Like, oh right. Like, so like, like oh, you once went into like, Woolworths and stole some pick and mix. You dick. Like stuff like that, or like yeah, but because everyone's been going so long, there's things you could say. There's th- there's going to be times when people are maybe bollocked up an opportunity or something. Oh, or like, like you know, you could have been presenting on CBBC, but yeah. then you fudged yeah. it up in the interview. Yeah, like, and ultimately, the best the best way to get creative with something is not necessarily to find like something that's actually bad, because if if everyone who was battling was as bad as they were made out to be, yeah. then it'd just be a nightmare. But like find something that's find something that's basically okay and make it sound bad. I um but, I have like done a, one rap battle in my life. Yeah. Uh, it was in Edinburgh yeah. as part of the comedians rap battle things. Um, that used to be a thing, and I rap battled Adam Rowe. Yeah. Uh, and what I did is I did three minutes of jokes about how his mum is dead. And yes. that was uh, what I did. And then at the end, this was my final little thing. Uh, what did I say? All right, that's enough of your mum jokes now. I'm not going to do any more. Oh, by the way, did I tell you I saw her in Edinburgh? She's on the ghost tour, which <laughs> I think is... There you go, you see? I think that's pretty funny. Lyrically, it's probably not very ambitious, but I thought it was a pretty fucking the, good... The, the, the content is there, like, flipping, like, the punchline's there. Just be like... Like, if you were going to, like, do that, you'd maybe want to write it into a nerdy, uh, multi-syllabic rhyming structure. Oh, the punchline, solid. And ultimately, that's (laughs) what it is like. It's just, like, it's punchlines and setups. The difference between, like, rap and, like, comedy roast battling is basically the technical aspects of the writing. Well, I have have written for uh, roast battles uh, before, and it's a very interesting... 
uh, experience. So what happens is Comedy Central send you over fact sheets about the other person, right? And often these are people that I'm writing that don't know, like I don't know them very well. I know them enough to say hello to them. I know who they are, uh, but I don't know all the facets of their personality. So what they do is they send over a fact sheet on an email and a lot of the facts, you go, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? It's like, you know, uh, David went to Cambridge University. <laughs> it's like, all oh, right, cool. I'll just, but, I'll just write a massive slam about how clever he is and well connected. But you know? see, see, this is a, this is where the creativity comes again because it isn't necessarily a bad thing going to Cambridge. But how do you make it sound bad? Right, you're in. Well, Cam- you can't. You can't really, can you? Yeah, uh, you you exaggerate things. I always come at things from like my like working class scumbag perceptive. Uh, perspective that anyone who's uh, who had name brand crisps in school is basically Illuminati now. Yeah, but the thing is, <laughs> part of the Seabrooks branch of the Illuminati. I um, th- the thing is, though, is with roast battles, what they do is they just do set up, yeah, punchline. That's yeah. all it is. It's just set up, punchline, set up, yeah. punchline. So you don't get two minutes to completely explore an idea. It yeah. just needs to be, here's the setup, here's the punchline. But they never give you, it's always like, um, you know, uh, Dave is a really fussy eater. And then that's that's it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas what I want is like, Dave's dad once cheated on his mum with a transvestite prostitute. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what you want to, to get into it. But they never give you that information. So it's hard work. And also, they always go as well. They always go, we want you to write this is what the producers do is they go we want you to write the darkest the worst the most horrific things imaginable and then you write it and they go we can't possibly use any of this we can't this is far too bad for television and then they give you loads of like you know caveats of what you can't say uh anyway battle rapping again so it's it's changed a bit as battle rapping but it sounds like the core of it is still the same but now it's it's less about your mum jokes, and it's more about how creatively you bring that across. Yeah, yeah. The game's just been raised because yeah. the more that people do it, the the the, the more stuff's already been the said. Bar. Is there hack stuff within the battle rap community? So within uh, comedy, there's stuff, and you hear a comedian say it, and you go, "Oh fucking hell, I've heard that a million times before." So, for example, a really hack joke uh, that a comedian might use is they might go, "Oh, everyone's got that one friend who's dead annoying that they secretly hate." And if you're looking around your table of friends tonight and you're thinking, I don't hate any of these people, I hate to break it to you, but it's you. And then that's, but, but that honestly, that joke is maybe 30 years old and, pe- and comedians are still fucking doing it. Yeah. Is there any like battle rap hack things? Yeah, uh, uh, there's, there's, hack meta- there's hack similes and hack metaphors, hack wordplay, basically. Okay, uh, chuck me some hack similes and metaphors. Okay, like. Uh, Take you to, like I'll take you out with one punch, like uh, Jim Jones. Who's that? Jim Jones, the uh, cult leader. Who? Oh, one the, punch, like like drinking punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've I've heard that one a load of times, but I believe it was first done by like the Bloodhound Gang in the nineties. Oh, really? But, uh, uh, the the most obvious, like the one that's almost hack to say that it's hack, is a uh, uh, a defeat bar. Like, uh, what should we call it? Where your metaphor is, you'll see defeat, and you'll see defeat. Okay, that, I, that's 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 the hackest of the hack. I feel like I could mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll take you out with one punch. Mm. 
Then afterwards, we'll go for lunch with your nana. I'll punch you hard like I'm Chris Brown and you're Rihanna. Oh, hey, you see what I've done? You see what I've done? I've made domestic violence funny through rhyming couplets. How fucking yeah. good am I? When's the next rap battle? Um, uh, I, do, do you want to do a tryout next month? I, f- I, I feel like I'm past tryout phase, mate. Yeah. I'm like Zlatan. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do tryouts. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking reference that yeah. is. Right, okay. So there, there's hack stuff. Um, my point is that battle rapping's been a lot... It's been around long enough now. Yeah. I, I still, in my head, think yeah. it's a new thing. But it's been around long enough now that there were people who established the scene. The scene has evolved from being um, all about uh, making it up on the spot to now writing and stuff. And it's evolved now to be more about the wordplay and the creative way that you can say things. And it's evolved to the point where there's some things that are hack because everyone's done them. Yeah. And this is the, it's the, the sign of a scene and a movement and, a, yeah. and an art form that's evolving. All right. Okay. So you were around at the beginning. Uh, no, I wasn't. I came in around like uh, what should we call it, twenty fifteen, and like okay, uh, written battle rap in the UK started probably with Don't Flop. Uh, in uh, so I've heard of Don't Flop. That was yeah. when they got two people together and they filmed it and made it look good. Yeah, yeah, that that was around two thousand and eight, uh, and what that was like when the written stuff started. I came in just as like everyone was getting more creative, but I kind of liked the more offensive humor stuff. Like okay. that's, that's just what appeals to me in general. So I sort of came in to sort of keep that style going. Okay, okay. So do people still do the offensive stuff now, or has it changed? Uh, what should we call it? It's, it? The spectrum's changed because, like, what people consider offensive has changed. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay, like, so, so because we've moved on now... Yeah. What people can the, the goalposts have shifted, yeah. Because you mentioned something dead interesting before we started that you have been on the receiving end of a bit of cancel culture. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify it as cancel culture, but I definitely annoyed a lot of people online. Okay, so that's interesting. How do you classify cancel culture? Uh, I classify it as I classify cancel culture as like how we've sort of got to exist within this environment that has been changed by the culture of online pylons. Like, uh, and to flip it over to you here, like... Cause okay, flip. You are kind of the expert in this episode because <laughs> of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've had it a couple of times before. and yeah. um, I mean, it's it's interesting. I've I've had it off the top of my head maybe two or three times in the past. And I've definitely had the social media pile on a couple of times. Um, and it's not its not nice. Do you know what I mean? It's not... But it, it's one of those things, I think, personally, that if you, um, if you get called out on, on stuff like this, I think that there is a well-established narrative of things that happen so somebody finds out something that's bad about you or somebody finds out something that you've you know done wrong that's not going to make you look in a good light Mm. and then they share it with everybody and then there is a, a backlash starts where people sort of um they share it and more people share it and other people share it and you tend to find the people that share it what they do is they try and share it and amplify the outrage. 
So yeah. one person will go, uh, they'll share something, and they'll go, oh, bloody hell, look at this. And then the next person will go, Jesus, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And then the next person will share it, and they'll go, Jesus, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And that person has no place within, you know, yeah, battle rapping or comedy it, or whatever. You've taken it further away. Yeah. And, like, the process of, like, the cancellation is... Uh, let, let's say it was an uh, let's say it was an offensive tweet. Yeah. Let's, let's say I let's say I've written an offensive tweet. Well, what happened with you like a week ago? What what, yeah. what was the deal? Uh, well, flip it. What happened was yeah. Uh, I like I used to be part of a league called King of the Ronalds. King of the what? King of the Ronalds. King of the Ronalds. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my first question is going to be. Whom is Ronald, and to what is he a king of? Uh, Ronald is Ronald McDonald. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> of course. The, that famous battle rapper, Ronald yeah. McDonald. Well, the league was set up uh, by a friend of mine called Mickey Worthless. Who, I think I've heard of yeah, him. Yeah. Is he the one that looks like a homeless Mexican? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was certainly how Lunacy described him. Next, next thing you're going to tell me now that he's been fucking lifting weights and doing wrestling and now he's hard as nails as well. Uh, no, but very into skateboarding. Not so online now. But anyway, he established this league called King... That What a Ronald is, mm -hmm. is like he was with an American rapper called Philly Swain in London. Okay. Because uh, Philly Swain was staying at his house and they were in McDonald's and... Basically, Mickey was trying to pull the woman that was serving them. At McDonald's? Yes. So the woman that was working behind the counter at Mackie D's, he was like, that is my new life partner. This poor woman off a fucking six-hour shift, <laughs> surrounded by burger grease and knobheads with no GCSEs. Yes. Gonna, I'll get cancelled for that now, won't I? Yeah. I think you'll find that McDonald's have a great graduate programme. I'm joking, fuck yeah. me. Um, so he was pulling her. He, he, he was trying to, and Philly Swain was taking the piss out of him, says, you know what you are, you, you're a Ronald. Okay. So that that was it. Like, Ronald's like... A I mean, that's that's not how they came up with the name Ronald McDonald. Is no. Like, like, let's have this weird sex-obsessed clown that keeps trying to have sex with its co-workers. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay. So it was uh, so it was him trying to um, pull somebody from McDonald's. Yeah. And that's where King of the Ronalds came from. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what uh, was King of the Ronalds then? Uh, it, it, it was a league, like uh, like some would describe it as like kind of like a, a bit more of a punk rock attitude, but like actively trying to be cunts and do the opposite to what everyone else was doing. Like when like Don't Flop was doing the top eight tournament, we had the bottom eight tournament. Right, and so like, it was that, like a counterculture thing. Uh, you yeah. saw what everyone in the scene was doing one way, and you went, well, we're going to purposely do things the opposite way to see what happens. Uh, yeah. Okay, right. Okay, and like, uh, one of the big things was the design of, uh, King of the Royals. It was set up by Mickey and Pigman Dan, and the flyers were always made to, like, not look anything else. The flyers looked deliberately terrible and, in a lot of cases, offensive. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay, fast forward to... And, they've, and the important thing to realise is that they've all got fucking, uh, clowns on. Oh, right. So they, I, when they've got clowns, is it the Ronald McDonald clown? Uh, yeah, or other similar clowns. <laughs> oh, on, there's, on a, there's a trademarking issue there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it, 
we do stuff like we steal people's event names and put on like a similar sounding name and all this kind of thing. I see. Right. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it was all this kind of stuff. And flipping years ago, uh, 2015, right. around the time I started, uh, my mate Hulk, who I... Hulk? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, your mate Hulk. Uh, I love how you dropped it in like that was the most normal thing. You, you use the word Hulk like I'd use the word Steve. It's like, oh, my, uh, ma- my mate Hulk. Everyone knows Hulk. Well, that, that's what I call him. No one uses... Why do you call him Hulk? Why is, why is he called Hulk? Uh, that's just what let I me, know. Let no me guess. Like, let I'm... me guess. He was, he was in a cinema watching a Marvel film and then he was trying to pull one of the women that worked at the <laughs> at Odeon and they were like, do you know what you are, mate? You're a fucking Hulk. Uh, nearly. He got it in prison. <laughs> he got it in prison. Yeah. What was he doing in prison? Was he getting angry and getting green and massive? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't like to talk about that. Oh, uh, right. Okay. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he's a sound dude. Like, he works for charities and that, but bit of a past anyway. But in, you wouldn't in like... That, you... In that past, he obtained the nickname Hulk. Sound guy, works for charities, but you wouldn't like him when he's angry. Indeed. Right. Okay. So, so... It was you and Hulk. I've forgotten what we were fucking talking about. Okay, here. like uh, like back in twenty fifteen, him and uh, him and uh, Mickey were like working on like a league versus league event flyer, and uh, like uh, they made a flyer for it, and it was, it had like all the clown faces on it, like, and there were like some leagues that are considered like white leagues, and some leagues that are considered like black leagues. This doesn't stand up to scrutiny, right. but it's like kind of like a, a kind of like a prejudice so, that people have in their heads. So, what made something a white league, and what made something a black league? It, it's what other people think the audience. Of that league is, I see. So, so they it, were it, like, it, oh, so they're like, this league uh, is going to have mostly white people in the audience, so it's a white league, and this league is going to have mostly black people in the audience, so it's a black league. Yeah, because we and, sort of have sort of similar things within comedy nights. Yeah. So in comedy, your average stand-up comedy event is going to, you know, generally speaking, is going to be made up of sort of ninety to ninety-five percent white audience it's, yeah. it's it's very white dominated but there are uh nights that run that are like black only uh you know performers events that attract a, a black crowd there's there's desi comedy as well that as so yeah. indian comics and um uh, asian comics and that attracts you know a similar yeah. sort of crowd and it works really well for stand-up because what happens is like i don't want to particularly just perform in front of a white audience. I want to perform in front of everybody. Do you know what I mean? And if it brings different people out the house and goes, do you know what? This kind of entertainment is for you. You'll really enjoy going to comedy nights. You should try it more often. And what what tends to happen is you get um, some people who watched a, uh, you never watched comedy before, then they went to watch a Desi comedy club, uh, you know, comedy show at a comedy club live, really enjoyed it. And then they realised that, you know, the Desire Comedy Show wasn't in, around for another year, but this comedy club ran events every weekend. And yeah. they were like, oh, we'll go back in a couple of weeks then. So it gets more more people on stand-up. I'll tell you this as well. I once did a gig uh, at uh, Blackburn College uh, for Tez Ilias, who is an Asian comic. And Blackburn, I don't know if you know Blackburn, it's um, a very predominantly uh, Asian area where yeah. the gig was. And so we got there, and it was in an Asian uh, uh, sort of neighbourhood 
kind of college type. I, I don't really know how I'd, how I'd describe it, but it was it was an Asian audience of a hundred people, and I'd never performed before yeah. to an audience full of people that weren't white. But what was interesting is I'd never really realised before until it happened. I was like, oh, how weird. And so I went on stage, and there were people in the front in like full Islamic like burqas and stuff like yeah. that. And I was like, wow, well, if they don't want to show the tops of their heads, then they are not going to like me talking about my dick for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I feel like I am a misbooking for this particular event. And I judged the crowd based on what I could see. And I'll tell you what, it was a fucking brilliant show. It was one yeah. of my favorites because it was, if you perform in front of a group of 18, 19-year-old white students now. I hate it because they're all like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He just said ladies and gentlemen at the top of the show. That's just so inappropriate. What about people who are non-binary? What about people who are gender... Fl and it's like, for the love of God, can you just sit and enjoy and watch the show and then analyse it and be a knobhead afterwards? Do you know what I mean? It's almost like they come to be offended. Whereas I expected it of this crowd... And it was the total opposite. It was like no one had given them the memo that they were meant to be offended by everything. And they were fucking brilliant. And if I ever had a chance to do it again, I would jump at it. And I remember going away thinking, oh my God, I really hope that more of these people turn up at more comedy nights because it would make my life so much, it'd make my enjoyment of my, you know, craft uh, so much more. So I understand that you have some... Uh, shows that garner, you know, uh, white audiences and some yeah. shows that garner, you know, black audiences. And it's not something that you actively try and cultivate because yeah. at the end of the day, it's I'm, like whoever buys a ticket. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, flipping. And it's... It's, it's not really something that you could even use as a category in battle rap. It's not like that. But those preconceptions <laughs> exist. And that, but the preconceptions... Like flipping... But the point is, like, back in 2015, like, the thing is, you're not allowed to say, like, no one wants to actually say that, uh, what should we call it, one league's a white league and one league's a black league. Because then people would have to kind of, like, address a few with their own prejudices if they admitted it. Like, for, like Hulk, uh, like, who's, like, mixed race and, and, and been I in prison. See. If I was to, like, rap a full round about gun bars... Like, yeah. no one expects me to actually have a gun, like, so I'd get judged on creative wordplay. But whereas Hulk, who's like a flipping hard-looking uh, mixed-race dude, okay. rap the exact same bars, he'd be judged on his believability. Okay. So, so like that, there are so like those prejudices do come into it, but no one likes to admit it. But it is a thing. I see. So, so, so just to sort of clarify then, because when I'm talking about like uh, Desai comedy nights and Black comedy nights and sort of Def Jam comedy yeah. nights, they exclusively market themselves to yeah. these audiences. Yeah. So the Desai comedy nights will book. Uh, just Asian acts, the yeah. uh, Def Jam ones or the black ones will yeah. book black acts. And then maybe like, there's one really fucking funny one that a guy called Che Burnley runs. Yeah. And he, book, he books a token white yeah. for each gig. So he's like, and he introduced it in the section, this is the token. And the idea is that he's playing on the idea that yeah. in these norm, you know, in these sort of um, mainstream comedy nights, they'll often have like a, a token act in the middle and he's sort of subverting it. It's very funny, but they themselves... Yeah market themselves that way. Yeah. Whereas what you're saying is with that, no one wanted to be the one that pointed it out. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, so that's the difference. Okay, it, I'm it, with it, you. It, 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 ba- it basically comes from like uh, the audiences, the partic- the more online end of the audiences perception, uh, and like you know, like so, like things are done to address this. But like Mickey and Hulk's original uh, joke in 2015 was like, what if they just did an event called Blacks versus Whites? Okay, right. And they made a flyer for it. They didn't do, uh, what should we call, uh, that card, but they did do a league versus league event. Okay. Uh, it was, uh, what should we call it, King of the Rolls versus Gift of the Gap. Okay. Well, uh, what should we call it? But the flyer, like, looked kind of offensive. And, right. like, uh, within, uh, there's a forum community within So battles. how did it look offensive? Uh, because it says blacks versus whites, and you're not supposed to say that. Okay, so there wasn't any imagery that made it offensive. Well, there's oh, there two- was. <laughs> Okay, Jesus Christ. Go this, on, what did you say? This, this is where the fucking problem comes in. Oh, because you've got Ronald McDonald's, haven't you? What? Because, because you've got flipping the clown imagery. You didn't, don't tell me you blacked up Ronald McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, I, I didn't. Jesus Christ. I didn't. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? Who thought that was a good idea? Hulk. <laughs> of course he fucking did. Of course yeah. he did. Yeah. Of course he did. Jesus Christ above. Yeah. So, and uh, what so, should we call it? So someone else made the poster. Yeah, yeah. Not you. Yeah. But you were on the event. Uh, no, no, I wasn't really around at this time. But uh, what should we call Wait, it? Wait, think the- about a minute. No, so I- if you didn't make the poster, if you weren't on the event, why are you getting the shit for it? Because I post it in the forum. And a lot of, uh, like, so when you say the forum, yeah, what's a, the forum? A, a battle rap forum. I see. So, so again, that's another similarity with comedy. So we have a uh, yeah. we have a, a a few comedy forums yeah. with uh, comedians on. And the thing is with the thing is with these forums is there's several different forums because everybody has a different idea of how they think a comedy forum should work or should be run. So there's one just for professional acts, Mm. and they won't let anybody in who's an amateur, and they won't let anybody in who's advertising gigs for less than a certain amount, and it's their way of keeping a minimum wage bracket within the community. Then there's other ones that will let anybody in, but you can only advertise gigs and stuff because they think that, you know, that's a useful resource. Yeah. Whereas, because otherwise what happens is that people spam it every two seconds and they put in, you know, clips of their, um, you know, their shows that were filmed on a fucking shit mobile phone or they, they put in uh, podcasts that they were doing that are struggling to take off <laughs> or uh, or they put in, you know, all yeah. sorts of crap. Or they ask stupid questions, do you know what I mean? And it just, you get a notification every two seconds, it's just a bit much. So all the forums have different rules and stuff. Is it like that in battle rapping or is, it, is there just the one main forum? Uh, it's kind of like there's one main forum for the UK and a couple of other, like, splinter ones that are just for business with that in that league. Okay, so you posted something in that forum. Yeah, and it, it was that flyer and, like, I... Like, here's where I fucked up. It's like, I thought everyone would remember King of the Rolls and remember all this. So why did you post it in that forum, then? Uh, because there's, uh, what should we call it, uh, a, a similar event coming up that's like one league that isn't really a white league, but is considered a white league by some people. And there's one league that isn't really a black league, considered a black league. league. Oh, they're doing a league okay. versus league event. So, like, I posted it up there, like, oh, remember when Hulk did this? And, like, I thought I was, like, reminding people of that old joke. But a lot of people 
understandably, hadn't been around for that. So they thought, is Cadell just, just made a flyer with a black-faced Ronald McDonald and stuck it in the forum for no reason? Which looks terrible. And I did have to fucking apologise for it, understandably. But where the cancel culture comes in is that, like, I'd expected people to have this context, which they didn't have, so it ended up upsetting people. Yeah. So I, I apologise for it. But then... That's when people start taking the screenshots and putting it on Twitter to where their followers see it that definitely don't know. And yeah. that, then, it's on, then it's on fucking YouTube. And then there's all these other people that are just getting that. And Well, the same thing happens with jokes. So if you see a joke in a comedy club where you have paid to go and watch comedy... And, you know, you are introduced as a comedian and there is sound and there's lights and there's a microphone stand. Then the context of the environment that you're in is I'm going to watch a comedy show now. Comedians tell jokes. Therefore, I can expect that not everything I hear in the next 20 minutes should be taken literally as people might be joking. Yeah. However, if you read some uh, an extract from a comedy show or even watch a video of a comedian whilst you're on the toilet having a shit or whilst you're on the bus or whatever you don't have all those contextual sort of clues around you yeah. and so you don't have the same context of this is a comedian who's probably joking you have a well. What's this knobhead saying? Do yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, can, can, I, can I swing this over to you and like? Because obviously you had the whole thing with the literary agent. Yeah. Off the back of the have a word clip. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, so thanks. Have a word podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so like, uh, uh, as I understand it, like uh, th there was there was just a clip of you telling a joke as a comedian on this comedy podcast. Which is what caused your split with the agent. Yeah, so I um, was on Have A Word podcast, all the podcasts are available, uh, <laughs> and I was, other podcasts aren't available, apparently, according to our producer, Finn, who works for Have A Word podcast, and I am in the second studio recording this now. So uh, I was on Have A Word podcast, no other podcasts are available, including this one. This isn't even a, this isn't even a podcast. Who told you this was a podcast? Shut up. Um, and I was being interviewed the first time round and uh, we were talking about, I can't remember how we got onto it, but we were talking about what would you rate yourself out of 10? That's what Adam yeah. said. What would you rate yourself out of 10? And so I said, I'd rate myself a three out of 10. And then what happened is uh, Dan played some sad music on the soundboard yeah. like Doo! and then I said well, what I do to make up for that is I'm quite good at manipulating women. And the joke there is that you felt really sorry for me, and then I've said something incredibly horrific afterwards. Yeah. And that's it. It's the juxtaposition yeah. between those two feelings that solicits a laugh. Yeah. And I thought that it's quite obvious to anyone watching that I'm joking because, firstly, I am a comedian, Secondly, I am on a comedy podcast. Yeah. And thirdly, that's, you, you know, clearly true. But what happened is that there was uh, somebody, my literary agent at the time, 
decided that this wasn't a comedy podcast, it was an interview, and that I had freely gone on there to talk about <laughs> manipulating women. And I think, as well, she, as a woman, went, well, he's not manipulating me, and I think that there was an element of that in there. Now, obviously, if I was that good at manipulating women... And I've got it to fucking stick with me. Um, but, you know, that's that, that's by the by. Um, but the thing is, is it was kind of, it was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So w- was it like all about her reaction to it? Like yeah. Her so, taking it seriously? Or, or was there an element of like risk mitigation? Like, uh, well, if I've thought this when I see it, then other people might. And that A like, bit of both. So she, um, uh, she herself did not believe that it was a joke. And I was like, well, it quite clearly is. Uh, and I even sort of broke down how it's a joke. Like yeah, I broke it yeah. down, the juxtaposition in between those two feelings, creating that tension that elicits a laugh. Uh, but she thought that I was just talking about how much I like manipulating women. As, you know, we all tend to do from time to time. Every once in a while, you just like to brag about the things that you're good at. Um, so it just, it, it, you know, she sort of got the wrong end of the stick and no amount of me saying that is categorically how it didn't happen yeah. is, uh, you know, could turn her around. Now, um, uh, as, as well, she sort of didn't believe that I was joking. And that was really interesting for me because I thought that me as the person, as the agent, as the person that said those words, if I tell you that I'm joking, I always thought that it's not up to you to decide whether or not you think that I am joking. If I tell you that I'm... Like, for example, if I say something in anger and I say I'm angry, it's not up for you to go, well, I actually think that you're more upset than angry. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just... You take the words in whatever context you're being given. Yeah. But she, re- regardless of whatever I said, she was not having it that I was um, uh, joking about that. And she also believed that other people would look at this and think that I was um, being serious and that would stop me from being able so, to get so- a literary deal. And my response to that was, well, Hitler's got a book. Do you know, like, yeah. like you know, Hitler's done way worse stuff than me, and his his book's out. That's exactly out. who you want to be. Ca- ca- that's exactly well, who you want to be comparing yourself to in yeah, that situation. Katie Hopkins has got a book. Piers Morgan's have like literal knobheads have got a book. Yeah. Me saying a joke that you're not sure whether or not is a joke. Surely, why is that? You know, what? Why is that a breaking point? Do you know what so, I mean? See, this is interesting because there's some people who, who like appear to be like making careers for themselves out of saying shit just to get them cancelled or dunked on or whatever. Like, like who? Uh, like uh, one example, uh, say uh, Tom Six. Uh, I don't di- know who that is. Tom Six, uh, director of The Human Centipede. Oh, I know. I've watched The Human Centipede. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I think he's trying to, like, sort of generate, like, sort of almost fake... Ca- He's trying to fake that he's being cancelled at the minute to sell something. He's, he's got this uh, book coming out. He's got this uh, uh, film that he's been threatening to put out for years called the... I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It's like the Onaya Club. It's like... Uh, uh, it's a word that begins with O. It's a posh word for wanking, and it's got a lot of vowels in it. The Onaya Club or something. A posh word for wanking that's got a lot of vowels in it. Yeah. But, uh, okay. yeah. I, he, he put out this teaser trailer years ago 
of a bunch of upper middle class women meeting at a house, then uh, putting on some uh, the foot 9-11 footage of the towers collapse. <laughs> no, you're not going to say it. You're not going to say that there's loads of people masturbating over 9-11. Well, I can't get much further in the story if I don't say it. <laughs> But it, 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 I want to watch this film. <laughs> I want to watch this film. Do you know what? Louis C.K. That has, was the trailer, like... Speaking of, like, cancer, Louis C.K., who's who's mm. gone through that, but he had a great joke about how you can tell how bad of a person you are uh, by how long it took you to masturbate after the Twin Towers. Like, that was his bit, and, and he said, for me, it was in between the first and second tower going down. <laughs> Which is a beautiful but horrific joke. Yeah. Um, right, okay. Yeah. So, th the thing is, for me, is with cancel culture, I there's a debate to be had over whether or not it exists, and I genuinely, definitely, 100% do believe that it exists. It's a real thing. Me too, but I think there's, like, a lot of people that are invested in it either being literally any criticism and a lot of people saying it doesn't exist. So because these two groups are the loudest, there's no kind of agreement of this actual thing yeah. that's affecting... It gets, it, gets mit it gets pushed both ways. So there are some people who are on their way out who say, um, I'm being cancelled... And then that's a way of them generating loads of easy free publicity. So a good example of that would be Roy Chubby Brown. Yeah. So Roy Chubby Brown uh, was due to play at Sheffield Town Hall. Uh, he had not sold many tickets. Uh, in fact, he, 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 he basically, he's been doing it every year for fucking forever and ever. And he just, every year he sells a few less he's tickets. He's had like one set for decades. Like. Yeah, well, it's not even that. He does change his stuff quite regularly, apparently, so I've been told. But it's just the appeal of it just goes less and less and less every yeah. year. And he's, he, he's somebody who's too old to change for whatever reason. And Sheffield Town Hall decided that they weren't going to have another show this year. But then they also sort of made the mistake of saying uh, that we have a responsibility to sort of, you know, curate what we yeah. put on at this show, and we don't believe that our people would like to watch this anymore. Yeah. Now, a lot of people took that to mean, oh, it's because he's offensive and because he's, because yeah. uh, you know, because he's off and, there and blah, and blah, he, blah. He, he can leverage that. And all of a sudden, a bunch of people that will never watch Chubby Brown in their lives are like, you can't ban this thing that I've never seen. Well, there were protests outside Sheffield Town yeah. Hall of people dressed like Chubby Brown protesting. Yeah. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that if Roy Chubby Brown was that desperate to put on a show in Sheffield, there are plenty of venues in Sheffield that he can hire out on an 80-20 split and just, you know, if he doesn't take the ticket, if he doesn't sell the tickets, then he takes the loss. But I imagine he won't want to do that because he's well aware that he sells yeah. less, less and less tickets. So, uh, or fewer and fewer tickets. Um, so what he's done or what his publicist or agent or PR has done is they've turned this into a cancel culture debate when actually it's more of a, a you're not, not selling enough tickets yeah. debate. 
Because at the end of the day, if he was selling out a thousand tickets a time, piece of piss, he could just hire another venue in or close to Sheffield that'd have him on an 80-20 split. Jobs are good. But he don't want to do that because I think he yeah. knows that he's on his way out and it's a risk for him. So you blow it up to a fake cancellation. Yeah, you get loads of free publicity. Yeah. And the people who uh, the people who are the sort of people who are like, Oh yeah, yeah, you're not you're not taking away my chubby brown or whatever, you know, or, or you're not telling me what to watch or what yeah. not to watch, then they start to buy tickets and he reaches a, a new, slightly different audience. So there are people yeah. who use the word cancel culture and the anger that it generates in order to further their own agenda and so, prop up their career. But well, people look into it, they find a pang on, this is just you're not selling enough tickets. They say it's no, bullshit. No one, so, looks, no one looks into it. No yeah. one looks into it. Yeah. What people... <gasps> What people do is they hear the word cancel culture and they go, yep, fine, that'll fucking do me. That's the thing that I hate. And then they jump on it. Now, having said that, there are other people at the other end of the spectrum who are so adamant that cancel culture does not exist that any um, example that you give them, they find a way of manipulating it so that it sounds like it doesn't exist. Yeah. So, for example, I know of comedians that refuse to believe and accept that cancel culture is a thing. And so if I give them the example of my literary agent uh, losing my literary... And at the time, the, uh, you know, the literary agents that I um, was with... Uh, were one of the biggest, most well-respected literary agents in the country. And the person that I was working with, very highly regarded, and I'm not going to sort of slag her off or anything like that because I think that she's well within her own rights yeah. to sort of choose who she does and doesn't work with. Of course she is, you know? And, it's, and I think as well that if she's somebody who gets upset at that, then knowing me as a person, it would have only been a matter of time before I upset her in a different way because yeah. I'm somebody who is naturally quite offensive and I have a, a very bleak sense of humour. And so, it, it, you know, I would say something in passing or there'd be something else out there. And so it was, oh, you know... If it wasn't this, it'd be something Yeah, else. so we wouldn't be a good fit to work with anyway. Um, so some people say, well, I wasn't really cancelled because I'm free to work with another literary agent. And they're absolutely right. I am free to work with another literary agent. It's just a bit of a ball like. Um, but there's some people who say, well, you know, uh, this person isn't cancelled because they got another opportunity. So, for example, uh, Kevin Hart. Do you know about Kevin Hart? Yeah, yeah. So he's due to host the Oscars. Uh, and then somebody found a tweet where he said the word faggot. Uh, he said, uh, I think it was if... It, uh, uh, if my son ever comes home with a dollhouse, I'm going a, I'm to a break that dollhouse over his head and say, stop it, faggot, or something like that. But it was a tweet from 2011 when he was about 19 years old, just starting out in comedy. It doesn't paint him in a good light, but it's not the person that he is now yeah. or today. This um, is another thing, like, pe people digging through the old things to cancel people. Like, cancel culture is something that could be weaponized like that. Yeah, well, it, it helps to sort of build a profile and a port. It helps to strengthen your case. So what I think people do is they treat it the way that they treat like a, a trial, you know, yeah. at court. And what they do is they go, well, we've only got one piece of evidence. Yeah. But if we dig and we find more pieces of evidence, then yeah. this will strengthen our case. Yeah. And I think, to be honest with you, so so here's, here's what I think myself. So... I think that there are some uh, uh, there's some things where you 
should be cancelled over them. For example, yeah. there's comedians who are, you know, at the other end of the, you know, who've been uh, the victim of Me Too by other comedians. And I don't think if you're a, a sexual abuser or whatever, I don't think that you have a yeah. place within this industry yeah. or any other industries. Yeah, I think if, you can't, you, if you're not safe around people, then... Totally, because the job uh, that we do is, it's a late night job, there's drinks, there's alcohol, and I'm not talking about maybe you're going to abuse somebody in the dressing room, but you very well might abuse somebody that's in the crowd yeah. or something like that, and I've just realised that I've said the word abuse about nine times. So I'm there's just a soundbite of me, abuse, 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 abuse and it's just not you know that's not going to fly well is it uh, someone's going to chop that up and it's just going to be a video of me saying abuse loads and loads and in eight years that'll be something that I have to explain and apologise over anyway there's you know there's some people who don't have a place within the industry uh, but there's other people who I think need like a verbal warning or yeah. a written warning yeah. or something not everything needs to be cancelled or fine. Yeah. So it, 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 it can't flip in like actual sexual abuse and flipping questionable material that could have been better worded can't be the totally. same punishment. So I think with like, uh, for example, sharing the, you know, the poster that you shared online, I don't think that that's a cancelable thing. I don't think that that's something that you yeah. should get a massive social media backlash for. And yeah, I, I, I didn't get a, like, I, I got a bit, but like, you know, I'm, I'm putting this as my example of why I know what happens. Like, I th yeah, I think like, I was having, I had a few pints at the time. I didn't think this will be it. Yeah, but but I think that the worst that something like that is yeah. is a verbal warning yeah. where somebody goes, "Look, man, that's yeah. look," and you go, "Ah, right, yeah, yeah." I was just doing it yeah. this way, but I could see how people take it in the in, in, in the other way. Yeah. I should have put more context behind this, and I should have understood that some people don't yeah. see, like, you know, where this has come from. And yeah. they're, they're looking at it with different eyes yeah. than I'm looking at it. I, I got that up. I apologize. My bad. And then that's the end of the matter. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, but, but people don't like that as a solution because there's no drama to it. Yeah. So I think um, a lot of the times with social media backlash, people are egging each other on. Were you following the Tony Hinchcliffe thing? Uh, yes, this is a while ago, this, isn't it? It's, uh, remind me ago. of what happened again. Remind me what happened. Okay. Didn't he uh, get introduced uh, by, like, a Chinese guy, and then he was he, like... He was, he was introduced in Austin by a comedian called Peng Dang, who was Asian, and... Uh, his name <laughs> is stop there. His, his actual his actual name sounds a bit racist like if you say it but anyway it's not the, it's just his name you're wrong. Yeah anyway this, this it's got, the way that you stop you went yeah. Pengdang who is Asian like, like we'd never repeat that up okay, okay, where's uh, he from Pengdang sounds sounds Scottish or something to me Okay and he Pengdang go on sorry go on Okay he was he was bringing up uh, Tony Hinchcliffe, who was headlining. Yep. He'd just done a set. And then uh, Tony Hinchcliffe, in the clip that Pendang uh, puts up, yeah, uh, just pretty much uh, starts abusing the audience by calling them, like, race traitors, uses uh, the word chink, yep. and, like, various other slurs and all this kind of thing. But and it was a two-minute clip of that. And then well, he put that up and said, this is what I have to put up with as a stand-up comedian, Peng Dang did, and used the hashtag stop Asian hate. 
But am I right in thinking that he was kind of directing it to Peng Dang a bit? And the whole point of it is, so I've heard, I mean, well, I, I don't know, but isn't it the case that that's what Tony does? So his yeah. thing is that he will go on stage and mercilessly abuse yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. person he, that he, he's, a, he's a roast guy. It's like it's like shots at everyone, but if you only show him taking uh, shots yeah. at one kind of person, it looks bad. But, but like, what happened in the aftermath of this clip of yeah. Peng Dang's one? Uh, he lost his agency. They lost their venue for their, uh, which they they do a comedy podcast with a live audience called Kill Tony. They lost all this, and he it kind of went quiet for a week. And like that's, and then later on, he got a new venue, new agents, and all this. And people say, okay, he's got new gigs. Cancel culture doesn't exist. What's missing from that is is uh, the involvement of Ari Shafia. Okay. Uh, no, no stranger to being, uh, no stranger to being cancelled himself. Yeah. So he did but, a joke about a basketball player, didn't he? Uh, LeBron Kobe, or something? Yeah. Kobe, Kobe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but uh, Ari Shafia. Got hold of... <laughs> That's the, me, by the way, not knowing anything about basketball. I'm not saying they all look alike before you kick off. All right, go on. Ari Shafia <laughs> got hold of the footage of Peng Dang set and Tony Hinchcliffe set right. and uploaded the full set to his uh, YouTube thing. Right, okay. And, uh, like, when you see the whole set, first of all, you realise that Tony... Uh, Tony spends all his set roasting people, so you see that. You also see that uh, the references to, like, race traitors and all that was a reference to something that Peng Dang was saying beforehand. And also, you notice, the audience isn't mic'd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you see footage of a comedian and there isn't a mic anywhere near the audience, it, it, it looks horrible, doesn't it? Because well, this is it. So I've had footage before where I have done really well at a gig... And I've got it. I've I've got the footage back from the show, and because the audience wasn't mic'd, it sounds dreadful and it's unusable. It's completely unusable because you have to have that audience reaction in there. And that's what. Funnily enough, I got a message yesterday on Instagram. I got my the first of my annual messages from Britain's Got Talent asking me to go on the fucking show. <laughs> Uh, and I say, uh, excuse me, lads, um, uh, I don't know if you've looked at any of my body of work, but um, I don't know if you know this, guys, but I am quite good at manipulating women. And they go, oh, Jesus, we don't want him. And I go, but that's my act. <laughs> I get them on stage and tell them that their handbags are gross or something and watch yeah. them throw them away. I, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I'm not the right comic to go on Britain's Got Talent. So every year I sort of uh, tell them no. And, uh, and palm them off because I'm not the right actor. I've forgotten what my fucking point was with this. What was I talking about? Uh, we were talking about the audience not being mic'd. Oh, right, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Because one of the reasons that I really don't want to go on Britain's Got Talent is because uh, it's very easy to make me look shit. So was whereas with like a fucking a dance troupe or something like that or a singer, like you can't make a dance troupe look worse because... They are a dance troupe, yeah. do you know what I mean? And it doesn't matter how much fucking editing or photoshopping you, you, you do, you know that that person can dance or they can't dance. Same with a singer. Like, unless you're going to purposely put them out of tune, yeah. you know that they're a good singer or a bad singer. But with a comedian, it's dead easy to manipulate the footage to make them look shit. So I might have a great gig, and all they need to do is just turn the laughs down 
and it looks like I'm dying on my ass. And a couple of a couple of shots to people who aren't enjoying it in a two thousand seater should be easy enough. A couple of people just looking at me a bit weird, and then all of a sudden it's a death, even though I did well. Yeah. So I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to take that risk because the footage is too easy to manipulate. Yeah. So and that's pretty much what happened with the clipping of the of the Tony Inchcliffe clip that Peng Dang used to sort of leverage things. He put it, he, he used the hashtag stop Asian hate because that was going on at the time. So people were piling on like, they don't know it's a roast comedian. They don't know this. They just see someone, uh, what should we call it, shouting nasty things about this guy to what sounds like no audience reaction. So that's the point in which he loses thing. But when the stuff goes online, there's a bit of extra context to it. So by the time he's like speaking to new agents and speaking to new venues, because he's very yeah. successful and like he sells out venues regularly, they could say that what he got cancelled for isn't really what happened. But most people didn't see that context. They just think that there's like agents who go, we'll work with the racist. Well, the thing is, the thing is as well, <laughs> and I will if there's any that want to come on the podcast. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. We've already got one. Uh, so <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> and that's a bit that gets clipped. <laughs> yeah, that's the bit that's going to get clipped. Um, so, so yeah. So the thing is, um, with with Tony Hinchcliffe as well, is that people in the UK might not know who he is. He's not a UK well-known name. So. Um, they won't know what sort of style of comedy that he does, but it's similar to Jimmy Carr, Frankie Boyle type stuff. It's offensive. Yeah. So if you go and watch Jimmy Carr live and the poster is live at fucking the Palladium or whatever, and it's Jimmy Carr and you buy tickets to see Jimmy Carr and you sit in the audience watching him and you are offended by him, then you are and will always be a fucking moron of such epic proportions because you've paid to go and watch Jimmy Carr. You know what it's like before you go, or if you don't know what it's like, then you should have researched a little bit better. You should have taken a little bit of time to learn. To, I mean, Jimmy Carr takes what, 50, 60, 70 quid? No one's booking that on a whim. Do you know what I mean? If there are people that haven't heard of Jimmy Carr, no one's going, oh, well, he looks quite funny. Let's spend 100, 100 quid on tickets between us to watch him. And it, it's not like there's a shortage of Jimmy Carr material that you just can't instantly check and see if it's for you. Yeah, well, this is it, right? Whereas if you bought tickets to watch Michael McIntyre and you were sat in the front row and you bought tickets to watch him having been a Michael McIntyre fan or whatever, and then Michael McIntyre comes on stage and goes, hi, it's a pleasure to be here, I fucking hate Jews, and then he, mm. he does like, he does like a, a ten minute long bit about how he hates Jewish people or whatever, then you, you'd be well within your rights to turn around and go Jesus Christ what, we didn't pay to see this, in a way that you might not be with Jimmy Carr, so it's about sort of Paying for what you get in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh in with social media, you sort of uh what should we call it? You can't really control the audience to the same degree. It's it's like like I said, like if 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 there's an offensive clip, if you see a clip that offends you by someone who I'm not following, and then you and then you repost it saying, Look at the state on this, and then I see it and it offends me. That guy didn't, 
that yeah, yeah, you yeah. put it onto my timeline. Yeah, he didn't sign up for it. It's not like he went and bought tickets. Yeah. He just he was just yeah, you know going about so, his day. So like the cru- the crux of cancel culture is that it's okay to repost the offensive material as long as you're accusing someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And there's uh, a lot of as well I'm offended on behalf of people. Yeah. So, like, you know, I'm offended on behalf of people, and I'm going to share this clip with those people so that they get offended. So I was right, and it's like, what? Yeah. Um, but like, see, I feel like you've offended the people then because you've put. I, I mean, what the fuck is a Lawrence Fox? What? Um, he's like, I'd love to get him on here. You know, I'd fucking love to get Lawrence Fox on here just for a do laugh. Numbers. You what? Yeah, do numbers. That's why I'd love yeah. to get him on here. <laughs> That's literally the only reason, mate. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to, you know, like, you know, just see what he's like. Well, I would actually just like to see what he's like as a person. Yeah, but um, I, I don't follow him. I don't. I don't uh, watch Question Time. Yet somehow he manages to get in his feed every day by people like quoting his stuff and wanting to tell me how much of a bellend that they think he is. Yeah, I'm and the like, I'm the same as well. So when he did the. Uh, uh, he he did something about um, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, and he did uh, yeah. when Benjamin Mendy got arrested for um, sexual assault. I think yeah. he, uh, he 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 tweets and like who's kneeling now or some something like that. Yeah. And I remember looking at that. I've got fairly thick skin, but I remember looking at that and thinking, yeah, Jesus correct. fucking Christ, yeah. that's awful. Um, yeah. uh, but you know, like you said, numbers. <laughs> Yeah. Numbers that, on the pod? Uh, no, that, I'm joking. That's it, like, it is awful. It is genuinely yeah, awful. Now, now he now he is a cunt, but he would never but, fucking. But he survives off of. So there are other. But people he's that making make a, a career off it. Like, is he? Well, well, yeah, he is. Is the answer? But he's not making a career in terms of he'll never get the career that he wants. So he wants to be a serious, credible politician. But the man got beaten by a fucking YouTuber yeah, in the. Yeah. Uh, but but does he though? Because like he didn't put up the money for that. Like, is he just leveraging this? social media infamy and like just get just getting all these engagement statistics because it was other people that put up the money for him to run for mayor and have a fucking bus with his mayor inside of it so yeah so, possibly so possibly like he, he must be leveraging so like like they're not doing it because they were a fan of whatever the fucking in- inspector more spin-off was on like okay they're fucking doing it because he's leveraging these engagement figures that he's got from people calling him a twat. That's very true. He'll never be mayor, uh, but he's doing a damn sight better than what he would have done with his career as it is. And maybe that's and maybe that's something to look at in it is that it does for everybody that it hinders. It if if you're willing to lean into it, it does help as well. And that's fucking gross. I'll tell yeah. you what. Going back to the internet thing, you can never accurately predict how people are going to take offensiveness and stuff like that. So, for example... But, but you can never predict anything like, any, like... Well, for example, I do quite a lot of stuff with a Man United fan channel called Stretford Paddock. And I'm yeah. a big Man United fan, and so I really enjoy the fact that they pay me to come down and talk about, um, you know, football or whatever. Yeah. And occasionally what I'll do is I'll wind some of the fan base up because I'll be a little bit inappropriate and stuff... Um, you know, any anyway, right? Um, I do a thing uh, at Man United. Uh, I did a thing the other week called uh, Uncensored, and what Uncensored is is it's me and another uh, sort of Man United fan channel YouTuber called Adam McCola, and we sit down and we talk about football, but it's it's uncensored. So 
you would imagine that for something that has the topic uncensored, you would imagine that that's a fairly good indication that you are about to listen to some content that you might find offensive. So on the last show, we talked about um, uh, we talked about the Man United footballer Cleberson, who uh, played for United 2004-2005. He apparently was meant to go to United in the summer of 2004, but his transfer had to be delayed until the winter because his wife in Brazil was only 15 years old and he wanted to bring his wife over, so they had to wait six months to before Jesus she was old enough, Christ. right? So I reckon I made conservatively 10 good paedophile jokes yeah. and maybe 50 bad ones, <laughs> um, but I referenced it a lot, right? And then I also, we also talked about Jesse Lingard, who's another Man United footballer. And I said that Jesse Lingard was poo, right? Now, in the comments, people absolutely lost their fucking shit about me calling Jesse Lingard poo. And I had to go, hang about a minute, hang about a minute. I think I've, so, so loads of nonce jokes are absolutely fine, but me calling a football player rubbish is something that is offensive to like where is your where, like how do you even formulate your moral compass like if 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 i'm trying to let's i mean i mean let's take out whether or not i'm trying to offend anybody let's say i'm purposely trying not to offend somebody well if i had a choice between one of those two things which was going to offend somebody more the clebus and pedo jokes or saying somebody's poo You'd imagine that it'd be a fairly safe bet to say, well, saying somebody's poo is not going to upset anyone. But it was the other way around. And if you can't even second guess what people are going to be offended by, then what possible chance do you have? Of It's not even like walking a tightrope. It's like walking a tightrope that you can't see in front of, so you don't know where it's going. Well, well, this is it. Like, uh, like going back to like when I mentioned like the risk group, reward mitigation the risk mitigation thing that your literary agent was dealing with like like now like if if someone's like dealing with a new client do they have to look at at them from the lens like is there anything about them that someone could find without knowing the context without knowing who they are and probably never going to buy their products but could still inspire them to a kind of outrage which could catch on with other people and create reputational damage that's going to outweigh... Yes, well, well, uh, that's been the case for quite some time. So I remember... Uh, but, God, this is going back a few years now. Well, like, prior to the advent of online shaming, like, like, everyone always had, well, if something does go wrong, I can provide the context. Yeah. But, but now we're dealing with an environment where people won't want to hear the context and you might not be able to reach them with the context. But also with Twitter is you are... I, I, I think the more and more you tweet, the more you lose the ability to filter yourself properly. Mm-hmm. So I think that when you first put something on Twitter, I think that your mind has to think about it and then your hand has to type it, and in between those two things happening, there's a fail-safe where your brain goes, whoa, somebody might take that the wrong way, and you go, oh, shit, like that, and you delete it, and you get rid of it. But the more and more you tweet, the quicker that you become at 
typing and yeah. tweeting things out. And the more that that becomes like a reflex and the less your filter system has chance to kick in and go, whoa, that might not be right. And you end up, I mean, here's the thing is I remember when they were interviewing for, they'd appointed a youth police crime commissioner. So, you know, they have a police crime commissioner in London. At the yeah. moment, it's Cressida Dick. Uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> Did that get you then? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're laughing at the word dick, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, a Cressida and all. Like, you know, it's two comedy K sounds in there. Okay. <laughs> okay. It is a funny name. Come on. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so, so, uh, they, they were basically thinking to themselves, how can we stop young people from committing crimes? And somebody was like, hey, you know how we have a crime commissioner? What if, what if we were to have a youth crime commissioner, eh? To, to sort of engage with the young people, that'd work. And loads of people went, yeah, what a belting idea, that's amazing. Um, and so they appointed one, and she lasted, I think she was 17 when she was appointed, and she lasted all of about two days because somebody went through her Twitter profile and found that when she was uh, 13 or 14, she used a racial slur, yeah. um, beginning with P and is four letters long. Do the do the crossword in your head. Um, so, yeah, and, and that killed her career instantly, and that sort of, you know, done. And this, you know, 16, 17-year-old girl got, you know, mass things online, you know, and, and hate and stuff for what is the mistake of a 13, 14 year old. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, my God, I am in a way so glad that they didn't have social media when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, like, because there's no evidential documentation of all the times that I was a knobhead at school. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Bringing back the Pengdanga, Tony Hinchcliffe thing. Okay. Yeah. After the bin, the huge, like, online pylon uh, to Tony Hinchcliffe, and he's lost all his agents. During that, like, someone decided to have a, to, uh, you know, search for certain words in Peng Dang's feed. Turned out, like, like quite recently, a couple of months before, he was doing jokes about, like, Jewish people or whatever, like, uh, use the K-slur or whatever, like, a month before. But by that time, everyone... But, What's the K-slur? Uh, uh, Jewish. What? Oh, don't say it, mate. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't think that you were going to say it. Yeah, you're going to have to bleep that out. Fuck me, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway. <laughs> 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 I you said it. <laughs> I thought that you were going to go, hey, like that. Anyway, anyway, right. So he used the Kessler, and then it's like, well, it's a bit rich coming from you to now play the victim. Is that what you're saying? Uh, Well, not so much that. It's just that no one really saw that because they were so busy piling on to Tony Hinchcliffe. And, like, uh, there's a lot of things, like, uh, have, you, have you heard of, the, like, these, like, uh, chain blocking sites? Uh, uh, sort of, maybe? Yeah. Not sure. Yeah, there's like things you can do, like uh, like you put a certain tweet. Say you want ever, so you want to block everyone who liked a certain tweet, or follows a certain whoever. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, fucking hell! Like, uh, like 
You, you're probably blocked by a guy called Seth Simons. Am I? Uh, like, probably. Oh, shit. How come? What have I done to Seth? Seth Simons. He's uh, it, pretty much because every comedian I think is good as blocked by him. Like, okay. well, because he's using these blockchain things. But, uh, Should like, I see if I'm blocked by Seth Simons? Yeah, I'm yeah, going to look it, now. It's, uh, so, S is, is a S is Oh, uh, Just a sec. I, I, I'd be fucking amazed if I am. Right, so S-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. I am on O. I am O-N-S. O-N-S. So, like, S-A Simons. Oh, right, okay. It says um, uh, these tweets are protected now. So, um, so yeah, I, I can't see. So, I'm not blocked, oh. but I can't see. But, yeah, he's, well, he's, he's got a lot of people blocked. Who he well, is? This, he... is his, uh, this is his bio, okay? I write humorism, a newsletter about labour, inequality, and extremism in the comedy industry. <laughs> Jesus Christ above. Send tips, uh, seth.simons at gmail.com. And his website is humorism.xyz. Fuck my life. Go on, what does he do? Uh, he's, uh, what's call it, big into the, he's big into onto the side of identifying people who need to be cancelled. Do you remember Shane Gillis? Uh, he, was, he was going to be on SNL. Well, I'm just looking here, and uh, literally an article from, you know, a couple of days ago. Andrew Schultz welcomed unvaccinated fans to uh, his Los Angeles shows last month. Yeah, this is it. This Seth Simons guy, like, sort of specialised in sampling comedian, in, uh, in like, uh, putting the information up to cancel comedians. He's got, like, a sub-stack, which is, like, only fans for writers who, like, aren't getting regular columns or whatever. Wow. And uh, he was one of the main players. Like, uh, you may remember Shane Gillis, uh, the comedian, who was, like, he, he was taken on by SNL. And... Uh, like, like, uh, oh, God, yeah, he did something, didn't he? I can't remember. Yeah, and, like, within a day of him being announced, there was a clip from a podcast of, uh, what should we call it, uh, him uh, saying, uh, we're not bleeping it this time, the the, the C word for uh, Chinese people, the C slur. Again, you've lost me with that one. Which one is it? Oh, this time. <laughs> <laughs> He's learning. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, like, but that clip was out instantly from one of his fucking podcasts, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, he used these language. Get him off SNL." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got rid of him from the gig. But the thing is, like, he, he's like got it's, it's, this is off his own podcast, and he's got like three hundred episodes up plus Patreon content. And someone just happened to have the clip where he said the flipping bad word, ready to go the second that he got announced for a good gig. I see. Well, there's another thing that happened recently with that, with uh, Janie Godley. And um, apparently, so I've heard of certain uh, prominent figures within the Scottish comedy community. Um, that sounded like I was doing the accent then. It's like, the Scottish comedy community. Um, the, the, there were people who had um, uh, tweets of hers ready for when she, like, for, for the prime yes. opportune moment. And I just find that... I don't know, I just find it weird how it's sort of been people's outrages being weaponized. But I find it weird, but not surprising at all. Yeah. Um just finally, obviously, because we've both been on the um on the other half of social media, you know, outrages and stuff. I mean, I've done jokes in the past as well that people didn't 
like or enjoy and I've had people moaning and being dickheads about it and do you know what I mean like I've I've explained myself and I um uh you know I didn't apologize or anything like that because I think that often when you apologize like I'd I'd happily apologize for stuff but I think that when you apologize it makes things worse because what they do is they no one goes because no one goes. It, it never stops there, does it? Like th- well, then they've got to assess the quality of your apology. Were you being sincere enough? Well, this is it. So what happens is they never go. Ah, oh, you said sorry. Fair enough. Do you know what I mean? Everyone makes mistakes. What they do is they go. Ah, oh, ah. Oh, well, well. I think you'll find that in the apology he says I seven times, but he only says you twice, which means that he's thinking about himself more than the. Vi- this isn't a good apology, and it's just it's never ending. And so I explained myself, I didn't apologise, because also as well, I sort of defend my right to make bad jokes on stage, because I'm learning, and the whole point of comedy is that you'll be bad at something, like anything, you'll be bad at it, and then you'll do it more and more, and then you'll get good at it. But if you want really good comedy, then you have to be prepared to allow really bad comedy, because nobody just does stand up and is good at it. You have to have that learning process, and without that, you don't get great art so oh god did i just refer to myself in a way as great art <laughs> disgusting but if you compare it like a painter if you if if you like cancelled picasso before he made a masterpiece then you wouldn't have the masterpieces because he would have had to be shit for ages for because everybody has to learn what the what their style is and what their rhythm is and if you don't allow people to make mistakes in the learning process then you're never going to get people who grow up to be great. You know, that's that, that's my thought on it. But what was the what was the social media backlash like for you? Uh, one the first thing you notice when you is that uh, the abuse, uh, not the abuse, the the the, the criticism will say because, like in my case, say yeah, fucks up, did need to apologise. But it's like uh, the people who want to uh, attack you and call you out, they're in your mentions. The people who look at it and think, ah, actually, I think this is, I think this is bullshit. I don't really, you know, they go to your inbox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so you, so you, so like, there are people that say like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't agree with this. But those people that haven't necessarily got the time to argue with everyone who's busy calling you a cunt. So it, so like, when when these things happen on Twitter, and that's one thing that's kind of changed my perception of it. Is like when you see an online pylon, it looks like a lot of people agreeing. But if no one's disagreeing in public, then there's an illusion of consensus there. Yeah, it's it's quite often uh, a vocal minority, in that it's it's uh, it's not a majority of people; it's a minority of people. But they're shouting so loud. Uh, but well, it feels well, I mean, like all, it's more. also, if it's the only people that are talking about you are the ones with the negativity in the timeline, then that's all they yeah. can see. And a lot of times, people might not message you and say, hey, listen, I actually thought, for example, I actually thought that post was very funny or whatever. They might say, hey, look, I know the post was out of order, but you don't deserve what's happening to you now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Are you worried about work going forward? Are you, are you worried about that? Uh, not really. Uh, you don't think it will affect work or anything like that, or no, no, you're no. hoping that it doesn't. Well, we we uh, we haven't we haven't got we certainly haven't got to the point in battle rap where like because uh, where people are like doxing anyone or anything like that. So, no, no. When I say work, I yeah. don't mean like your day job. Yeah. I mean like, are you worried about uh, work in terms of people not booking you as a battle rapper? 
Oh, there are certain people that have uh, said that they're not going to book me. But those people were also not booking me already. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to continue to not book this person, but now I have a valid reason for it. Yeah, yeah. And they did beforehand, like, he's a dickhead. <laughs> okay, that's that's yeah. that's interesting, that. I mean, it's is it your full-time job, battle rapping, or no? Oh, oh no, not at all. Like, I see, right. I, I, I won't mention my actual work going on there in case anyone said, what do you say about doxing? That's a great idea. See, see, um, uh, see comedy is my full-time job. Yeah. And so if I had, for example one comedy club that went, do you know what? We used to book this guy, but we aren't going to anymore. It would represent, in real terms, a, a pay cut of thousands of pounds, yeah. depending on, uh, you know, who it is. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. if it's a club that I only work for a couple of times a year, it might represent a pay cut of nearly a thousand pound. But if it's, a, if it's a, a, you know, a comedy club that I work for loads and loads, it'll be much much more than that so you do have to be you do have to be careful do you know yeah. what i mean like um and 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 that's it i think once you're financially tied to uh you know to something you have to play by the rules a yeah. bit more um i mean i've always said like you you can't cancel anyone that's paid off their mortgage do you know what i mean yeah because they go hey you will whoa you better stop otherwise we'll stop buying your stuff and you're like well you know, as long as I can pay my council tax, I'm not arsed, mate. Do you know, I always find it funny when people try and cancel J.K. Rowling, you know, because obviously she's got her opinions and a lot of people don't like them. It's like, we're going to cancel you, J.K. Rowling. It's like, mate, she's a billionaire. The ship has fucking safe. Yeah. You've already bought her books. Do you know, what are you going to do? Take them. Have you got that W.H. Smith's receipt from 12 years ago? No, you fucking haven't. You've already bought the books. You've already watched the films. She has got billions of pounds. If nobody ever booked anything that she made ever again, if nobody ever engaged with it, then she'd still be absolutely fine and have hundreds of millions to spur. Uncancelable. Yeah. You know? That's it, like, flipping it. If your livelihood is utterly protected and you don't have to leave the house, then that's it. But, like, when people see, like, these large cancel... People will say that because she's of that she's uncancelable then cancel culture doesn't exist but you know because we we keep we've sent all these tweets and jk Rowling's still here and like people use that to say it doesn't exist and that's how we and and i guess what i'm saying in a roundabout way is that the only way to make me more offensive is to make me uncancelable and the only way to make me uncancelable is to sign up to the Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash bigoted and make it so that I'm not financially reliant on the circuit and that this podcast does pay for itself. And then we can unbleep all the horrific things <laughs> that Kinella said. Um, uh, yeah, before we go, mate, is there anything that you uh, is there anything that you want to plug or anything like that? Uh not off the top of my head. Uh, don't flop. 13th birthday. I'll be in Bristol on the 13th of November, Saturday. Like I've heard a few things that's going to be on there, so that's well worth getting tickets for. Are you um, on it? Mm? Are you on it? Uh, few, few. Uh, what's it called? I think so. Yeah. You think so? Who are you battling? Have they told I, you? I, yeah, that's it. That's that's the the stuff hasn't been announced yet, so I can't say stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I see. Right, okay. But whoever's rap battling you is going to have some absolute 
absolute firepower in the chamber now, aren't they? They did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't start being a dickhead a week ago, like. <laughs> it's not a new thing. I've you just grew into, into it. it. Yeah. You grew into it and you had time to fail and yeah. you had time to get better at becoming yeah. a dickhead. And yeah. now, king of the knobs. Yeah. King of the Ronalds. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you have enjoyed this, make sure that you subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, wherever the hell it is you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube if you prefer to watch these things. And yeah, consider signing up to the Patreon because we've got loads of content. We're off to record Pigoted Extra now. Um, yeah, see you next week. Bye. This episode of Pigoted is sponsored by Taylor's Toys. Taylor's Toys are a sex toy company. They specialize in doing high-quality sex toys that won't fall apart after one or two uses. Head over to taylorstoys.co.uk, check out the amazing range that they've got on offer, and if you use the discount code PIGOTED at checkout, you get yourself 10% off on all products. Taylor's Toys, spice things up in the bedroom. Thank me later.